0: what's up everybody welcome back to off the bench i'm brandon carney alongside pat gustafson and pat i never want to intro a podcast like this because it's it's so generic because people will always come on and be like we got a heck of a show for you today you know blah blah blah. and like nah i say this i i I do not say this lightly we have a heck of a show for you today Uh, this
1: is definitely our most robust show that we've had in what like the few months we've done this they're not even close
0: there's a lot going into this one i mean look let alone we have the whole running back debacle. It feels like there's gonna be a, a fucking union formed and a strike soon for this entire position. We have DeAndre Hopkins finally having a team that he can call his own. More importantly, it is the final installment of our fantasy football preview series with the NFC South. And, you, you know, some of you, honestly, probably none of you are wondering why it's significant. I'm like, you know, it's such a bad division. You're probably thinking, why? No, you guys know exactly why the NFC South is significant for this podcast. As, as Pat shows off his Raiders, Derek Carr jersey, a new member of the NFC South. You all know how Kyle Pitts has factored into my life over the past year or so rent free um rent bro i'm paying him rent to stay in my head it's honestly i've paid him blood sweat and tears and fantasy and he he doesn't even know i exist so we'll be talking about kyle pitts here in a little bit and how i feel about him this year look i am going to try to throw water under the bridge and give an objective take on what he's going to do this year i don't own him anymore i'm not in a dynasty league where i have kyle pitts so look clean slate fresh start but uh, i'll be honest with you pat it's not it's not really a, a favorable evaluation i i wasn't expecting
1: that and in despite your objective view like you you know bad blood's gonna be bad blood here's the
0: thing i'm not letting it cloud my judgment but i'm definitely gonna have more of a good time slandering him than i would if i just hadn't been scorned by him in the past as well so you know there might be might be a little heat behind my words here but let's start this off pat um the biggest news of the week look saquon Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard did not reach long-term deals after being franchise-tagged. The only player who was franchise-tagged who reached a long-term deal was a tight end. It was Evan Ingram, and that's obviously not a coincidence. (laughs) Um, We've reached a really interesting boiling point here with the running back position. So none of those guys got long-term deals. Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones had to take pay cuts. You've got Dalvin Cook here still sitting in free agency, even Ezekiel Elliott, who obviously you know has less in the tank probably than Dalvin Cook, but is a guy who should still be on a roster at some point. Um, this position is tanking right now, and it's really, really interesting to see where things are going to go. I feel like things were kind of sparked by the Le'Veon Bell holdout a few years ago and how that just went so poorly for him I mean look did he get his money yeah did he get all of it no because he got cut before the end of his deal which that's just kind of how it goes but he did get a decent amount of money but it accelerated the end of his career and he himself now is recently saying you know he regrets basically entirely how that went down um Pat well how do you feel about this and, and what was your reaction did none of these guys get in long-term deals as of yesterday um I understand the
1: frustration on their part because at the end of the day, these are these three in particular have proven to be workhorse backs who have strong value to the team. But on the other hand, I think I've made it very clear that just running backs don't matter that much in the grand scheme of everything. I mean, obviously it's great to have a good running back, but I think the thing now is just that these teams and front offices realize that if you have a good scheme and a good offensive line, you could put just about anybody into that position and succeed. You know, like, Le'Veon Bell's another great example. Like, you look at him when in that year with the Jets where it really just tanked his whole career. He was a good running back who got paid to play in a terrible Adam Gase scheme behind a bad offensive line, and it effectively tanked his career. So he is... It's funny how Le'Veon Bell's probably going to come up multiple times in this discussion, but... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a big thing where it's just like, I feel like we're almost gonna reach a stalemate here where there's a problem, but there's no plausible solution.
0: Yeah, well, so here's the thing, Pat. The solutions are are solutions that I've kind of been preaching and putting out there for a couple years now, but they're solutions that do not benefit the owners whatsoever, and they'd be the ones that would have to vote on it. That's why, like, I, I joke about the strike concept, but it's almost like that's the only way things would get done here because this is a complete um, one-sided affair between the running backs and you know the owners, where the owners have all of the leverage, all of the power, to where they don't have to. Why? Why would they change anything just to make the running backs happy when it's not in the best interest of their pockets? Um, yeah. The only the only ways to really change things are to either make running back rookie contracts shorter so that, you know, they're not getting paid peanuts before they're able to get a new deal or change the franchise tag rules or both. I mean, you could do both things. But with the franchise tag, like, I think people... I, one thing i want to make very clear is the Le'Veon bell situation and let's say just saquon barkley to, to narrow it down to one guy are very very different situations so when Le'Veon bell held out that was his second time getting franchise tagged that meant which that is he,
1: ridiculous in its, right in that, that its was the right. second
0: time second time getting franchise tag now for in general the first tag and the second tag are not that different. The second tag will cost a team about $2 million more than the first tag will, but in essence, it's the same. Le'Veon Bell knew that he was not going to get tagged a third time because the, the price goes up astronomically to a point where you are not going to pay that to a running back even for one year. Saquon, this is his first time getting franchise tagged, so he has almost no benefit to sit out, because if the Giants are willing to pay him $10 million this year, you can bet they're probably willing to pay him $12 million next year, because it's still less than what he was asking for and what they were willing to actually pay annually, if you believe the reports that come out. So, Saquon, sure, let's say he sits out this year, that means he's not getting any money, Um, and then next year he just gets tagged again for, you know, 12 mil, and it's like, well, why didn't I just play? The only thing you could say is so he doesn't get hurt, but like... What's the difference at this point? It's it's not the same thing. Le'Veon Bell knew he was going to hit free agency. I don't think that's necessarily as clear for Saquon Barkley. So it's a really tricky situation for these players and Pat we have a lot of running backs actually speaking out um, a bunch of them on Twitter some big name guys coming out even if they're not you know looking for a new deal Derek Henry saying at this point just take the running back position out of the game the ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seems like it doesn't even matter I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve you have Jonathan Taylor who hasn't been paid yet saying if you're good enough they'll find you if you work hard enough you'll succeed if you succeed you boost the organization and then doesn't matter. You're a running back. Yep. Austin Eckler tweeting, "This is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game." Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. Christian McCaffrey saying, "This is criminal." Uh, Najee Harris saying, "You know they they set the tone for every game, and the notion that they deserve less is a joke." And then of course Saquon just saying, "It is what it is." Um, yep. I, I, I will. I will openly disagree with something that Austin Eckler said. I was going to say, I figured you would. That teams,
1: it's proven that teams need an elite running back. Like, no. Like, actively no. Like, you look at these teams. I I pulled it up here. You know, the last three Super Bowls, these teams, none of these teams were paying their running back more than $2 million. Or, you know, in the range of $2 million for that season. And it was Leonard Fournette for the Mm -hmm. Bucs in 2020. But you look at the Chiefs last year, you just think about it. Isaiah Pacheco is making $725,000 as a seventh round pick, while Clyde Edwards Alaire, who's making almost $2 million as a first rounder, is a healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. So, in, in you just look at, you know, back and forth like the Eagles, you know, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. You look back to 2021. Jo- oh, Joe Mixon is the exception. Joe Mixon is making, you know, was making $8 million. We'll talk about him in a little bit too. But outside of Joe Mixon, you know, Sonny Michelle, Cam Akers, CEH, Daryl Williams. Like, If you have the right scheme in right offensive line, just about anybody can work. And it's not to say that these guys aren't valuable pieces. They are. They're great players. They're at the top of their positions for a reason. It's just a shame that we are in an environment where these guys get so beat up. I'd argue no one gets beat up the way running backs do mm-hmm. that their peak is basically 26 years old and then they're done. right. And it's just a super unfortunate situation because at the end of the day, like the owners are right to not want to pay these guys this much money. but it, it, it's just it's frustrating from the fact that you know some of the brighter stars in the
0: league here, still aren't getting what conceivably they'd be worth, especially if they played another position. And the thing to me, Pat, is that it's not necessarily that elite running backs aren't you know, can't help a team get to a Super Bowl, even though we've we've seen the evidence of all these Super Bowl teams not having elite running backs. It's just that when it comes time to pay these guys, like there's no there's no reason to. So that's why they don't end up on these championship rosters because they're not on any roster for all that long. They, they play out their rookie deal, they get franchised once or twice and that's it. But what happens is, you know, you mentioned the the shortness of their careers. It's like, okay, let's say you get through your rookie deal and then you get franchise tagged twice. Okay, you've been in the NFL for six or seven years at that point. And then it's like, even if you are still good, teams and ownership are going to bet that you've only got one, maybe two years ahead of you. And they're not going, to, they'd rather miss out on those two years of you continuing to be elite, than get locked in to four years of paying you 15, $16 million. That's just how it is. So I, I again, I firmly believe that like rookie deals for running backs need to be shorter also largely because you know whether a running back is good basically after their rookie year like it's the it's the quickest transition to the NFL out of any position it's the smoothest one. So there's something that needs to be done here. I think we're reaching a boiling point. Um, I I don't know how or what's going to happen but like I I don't know unionize guys get get out there strike it up but get the picket picket signs out the problem if they strike
1: it's not going to end well because then the owners are just going to say like, all right, well, you will use these other running backs and it won't be that bad. Obviously it won't be to the level of, of these top guys, but like it may even prove the owner's points more. And I think the, the biggest obstacle you've met, you mentioned also the, um, the rookie contract length, obviously the owners probably wouldn't agree with that, but I'd argue the players association wouldn't go for that either because obviously less years, less money. Less guaranteed money unless sure. you raise the guarantees, but then the owners would would hammer that down immediately too. So in theory, it's it's a good idea. Let these guys get to free agency, you know, maybe a little bit before their their window is ending, quote unquote. But I just don't see how that can happen. And I think just somewhat of a side, the franchise tag is just fucking stupid. I mean, re- re- regardless of the, the re- so running long, back, man. like. The MLB has nothing to speak of. The MLB, you, you can give a guy a qualifying offer and you'll get a compensatory late first-round draft pick. That's fine. It does hurt the player's value, but whatever. The NBA has restricted free agency, which the NFL has too, you know? A team offers a guy an offer sheet. The team can match it. The team can say, go to the other team. Why does there need to be something more? There's just no need for a franchise tag in any sense, and I, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, we don't we're not talking about this conversation with running back value nearly as much if it weren't for this stupid franchise tag
0: yeah and it's like this tag you know in theory exists as a compromise between okay we're going to give you a good amount of money but it's only locked in for a year the problem is when you have a guy who if he was on the open market was going to get more than this annually then it's there's no point like I think if you were to raise the price of the franchise tag for the first year and second year then maybe we again wouldn't be having this conversation because there are they going to tag Saquon Barkley if it's going to cost him 15 million dollars to do it probably not or they would at least try to work something out multi-year because if they're like okay if we have to pay you 15 million for one year you're worth that over the next few because you know you won't be you won't be dust in the next three yeah. years we don't think um because Saquon's still a young guy so I, I agree with you I think the franchise tag is a very very strange mechanism that we've just kind of come to accept here in the NFL and it doesn't it doesn't it, really it's do just not necessary
1: good. like if you want something to kind of protect the team I think the
0: restricted free agent model with the offer sheet is, is a great model if
1: you know yeah and it's very strategic other teams can kind of corner you know, the incumbent team to say, hey, you know, overpay this guy or we're going to overpay for him. We don't care, but we know you care. But I think at the end of the day, as as I kind of said right at the beginning, there, I don't think there's any immediate solution that would, or even compromise, that would please both the players and ownership. So yeah. I just think this is a problem that is is going to persist. And obviously we'll either find out, you know, we'll get more and more evidence, more and more data. Do these running backs fall off earlier? And honestly, I think it's only going to get worse, let alone not get fixed. I think this
0: problem is only going to get worse. Who would have thought that the NFL would go the same way of fantasy football leagues, just gradually caring less and less about running backs and you know lifting up kind of the, the wide receivers or really any other position that you'd rather invest in instead? Can't say that for us, Pat. We're non PPR. The running backs still matter, yeah. but in general, those those out there with uh, I I want to call those standard leagues now. PPR is really the standard. it is yeah PPR in, is in, standard. in those it leagues is. Uh, that that's where you know running backs are getting devalued. So look, something's gonna happen here over the next few years. I don't know what it's going to be, but I I feel like something's got to change here. Don't know what it is, but it sucks that these guys who are very, very fun to watch. Look, I'd much rather watch Saquon Barkley tote the rock for the Giants than fucking Matt Breida. Well, that's that's
1: my next question is like, say him and Josh Jacobs really follow through with it. Like, there's no way that the Giants could be confident in Matt Breida or the Raiders could be confident in Zemir White to, you know, again, they, they still won't... You know, as as I'm sitting here saying, like, oh, the running back position doesn't matter as much, but they still won't produce as much mm-hmm. as those guys. You know, is this Dalvin Cook sitting here licking his chops, or these guys like Zeke and Kareem Hunt? Is this going to be their opportunity? I personally think they're both going to play, just because I think they'd basically
0: be co- committing There's career seppuku can. If they yeah. did not do that, like they they don't have anything to gain by sitting out except for, yes, they'll stay healthy. But for what? To get tagged again next offseason? it doesn't. There's no reason. So I, I think, uh, you know, maybe it's a game of chicken where they sit out a game or two, try to get traded. I don't know what it's what it's going to be. This is also um, entirely the Raiders
1: fault as they decline Josh Jacobs option. Like They
0: would have just True. simply
1: had Josh Jacobs. They declined his fifth-year option because McDaniels didn't know. He didn't want to commit to any of those three Gruden first-round draft picks. Hello, Clell and Furrell and Jonathan Abram. <laughs> but, so they didn't want to commit. So they, basically, they did this to themselves. They put themselves in this position where they can now be without their
0: second-best player on the whole team. Third, sorry, Max Crosby, their third-best player on the whole team. Yeah, a disaster overall. All we know right now is that Tony Pollard is expected to play on his tag and Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley are very much T. And
1: to be honest, ten million is very fair for Tony Pollard, because obviously, you know, a guy like, who's never we, had that role. Before. Exactly. We've talked about how good he was last year and how good we think he's gonna be this upcoming year, but at the end of the day, he doesn't quite have the pedigree. Of Josh Jacobs, and then Saquon is even, obviously, even above Jacobs. So it it, it makes sense for for Paul, from Pollard's standpoint to do that. But I get yep.
0: Jacobs and Saquon at the least wanting to voice their displeasure with the situation. I'll be curious to see how this all plays out for a guy like uh, Bijan Robinson in four years. Fast forward me four or five years and see where we're at with uh, you know another potentially generational talent. Guy, guy we'll actually talk about a little later in the show here as you see uh, those of you watching on YouTube got my Falcons jersey here. Yes, it's a Kyle Pitts jersey, leave me alone. All right, Pat, let's move on here deandre hopkins a guy we've been monitoring basically all offseason. we really only ever had two contenders this whole time for his services it was the new england patriots and the tennessee titans as i sit here depressed and have to admit he has gone to the tennessee titans uh the vegas odds jumped by like a billion and then like yes, the next day
1: minus like 1600 it, or something stupid yeah, and it's like okay next, like this is next given. day
0: he immediately goes to the titans um are you surprised at this choice, Pat? Or, or I mean, we've only really heard, it again, about two teams the whole process. So I well, guess that's no the thing is that I didn't think but... either
1: of these teams were particularly great fits. Obviously, exactly. they needed a wide receiver. But, but for what he, he was talking them? about, like he wants to play with a good quarterback, stable organization, good defense. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, the Titans, good defense. Mike Vrabel's a good defensive head coach. Ryan Tannehill, the definition of mid. At this mm-hmm. point, but still, at least passable. loves the game, though. That was the way he worded it. Oh, loves the, the game. game. Yeah. I and mean, I, mean sure. I don't know Ryan Tannehill personally, but, you know, Ryan Tannehill you is assume. A, a passable quarterback at this point mm-hmm. in his career. And then, a stable organization. I mean, I guess they have a new GM this year, but I mean, that shit happens. But sure. It just, it was an, un, they were both very uninspiring landing spots considering, you know, teams like Kansas City and Buffalo and even the Jets might have been a better fit on paper. I, I I don't think it does much for the Titans in terms of their I, outlook don't this season because of one how good the Jaguars are going to be and how competitive that AFC Wild Card hunt is going to be. You know, I expected okay. them to probably be a seven, maybe eight win team at best. I
0: don't see this doing much, doing much for that outlook. I, I think it's funny DeAndre Hopkins just to get his perspective for a second. The team that he picked and the situation he picked tells me that it was a very uh, like self-centered... He's not ring chasing. He's not ring chasing. What, what I see from DeAndre Hopkins going to the Titans is that he loves being the number one guy on a team yep. and he wanted to get paid. He is not remotely ring chasing. This this is like purely those two things. And I think people don't often think about the I want to be the top guy aspect of it, especially when he's that age. But it's like, even if he went to the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey's the top guy. Yeah, he'd be the mm-hmm. top receiver, but he's probably not the top target getter. Um, Patriots, yes, he'd definitely be the top guy, but again, that offense is probably going to be pretty run heavy. Yeah. Mac Jones is going to spread it around regardless. Uh, now he goes to a team with no receivers to speak of. I mean, yes, maybe Traylon Burks takes a little step forward here, but from what we've seen, he's a big question mark Uh Kyle Phillips, I think, is the guy after that. Then we've got Chigakonko in tight end. R- Racy McMath, I believe, R- is still in that wide receiver room. Racy McMath. I mean, is Kenny Britt still hanging around? Oh, I don't God. know, but it's it, yeah. I agree with you, Pat. It doesn't change much uh, for the Titans to shift gears to, to their perspective a little bit. Um, the only thing I think it might do is is let Derrick Henry breathe a little bit more. Um, yes, the box won't be quite as stacked with defenses knowing there's an actual receiver on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I do want to mention too is I keep seeing people say the Titans are like this receiver. Graveyard because of Andre Johnson and Julio. Randy Jones, Moss. Randy Moss. And I just want to say, like, all those guys were cooked before they got uh-huh. there. Oh um, my god. DeAndre Hopkins has a year or two of, I think, relatively high end production left. Yeah. Um it, it's not as easy as fitting him into that little puzzle of those guys. I know it's a funny comparison to yeah, me, but like
1: that's what I, people do on the internet.
0: Yeah. I, I would be shocked if DeAndre Hopkins if he ends up being fully healthy this year, if he's not a thousand yard guy again, like that would be a, a big shock. Whereas those other guys were dust.
1: Yeah, you know, and again, just just from the perspective where he he, pro- he produced reasonably well last year when he was you know when he was on the field for Arizona in on a, in a really bad team, and this is going to be a better team. But again, I think like you said, that he's doing this for himself. I'm shocked he signed a two year deal.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought
1: this was kind of going to be like a one year, make decent money, prove it. And then really sure. set yourself up for another decent contract coming out of this. So the fact that he signed for two years is was was very, was the most surprising aspect for me. But yeah, I'm I'm devastated for Traylon Burks and Chigaconquo. Those are two guys that I That's have a talked a lot about, including having borderline sexual thoughts about Chigaconquo. But um, <laughs> but this um sadly, I don't want to say tanks their value. It kind of takes their value. But they, kinda, they still have I mean, some value, but Okonkwo yeah. is no longer a, a tight end one in my eyes. No. And Burks, no, I still think Burks has a lot of upside. He's, a, he's really an upside guy, but the chances of that happening have greatly decreased as well.
0: You just look at a team like the Titans that you know is going to run it down your throats, and then when they don't, they're going to throw to DeAndre Hopkins. How much room is there for you to invest in a secondary pass catcher? Yes, like there, there's going to be spike weeks and such, but it's just Chig Okonkwo, half of his appeal was that he could have literally been the Titans' top pass catcher, and now that's completely out of the question. Um, yeah, it, it's a bummer. I wanted Chig as well, but now I'll, I guess I'll have to turn my, my attention to some of these other late-round tight ends uh Pat DeAndre Hopkins himself how are you viewing him for fantasy football where would you be comfortable taking him or seeing him on your roster wide receiver 2 flex i none would of those? say
1: maybe a very very like the very low end of wide receiver 2 i think he's more okay. of a flex option just cuz i don't i don't think we know what to expect here because yeah I'm, i mean we've seen aj brown flourish in this offense in a similar offense granted it was arthur smiths back then but <laughs> we've seen him we've seen a you know an alpha wide receiver flourish in this kind of situation but they were just so run heavy last year and just so reliant on Derrick Henry and I still think that offense probably runs through Derrick Henry
0: sure more, more so than anything
1: so like it's a situation where like I like the floor more than the ceiling I think he's I think he's got a solid floor I think like you said 1000 yards is certainly a very very reasonable expectation I don't I don't love him like I'm not he's you know everyone has a value as we'll talk about later but um He's, he's certainly not a guy that is going to be jumping off my, my draft board at me and say, you've got to take this guy.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's going to get peppered with targets. Obviously, we just talked about how you know you and I are basically in the Titans receiving room be, behind DeAndre Hopkins. But I think you look at the guys he's probably going to get drafted around. So I, I have some uh, ESPN PPR rankings in my hand that I printed, I think, last week. But this was when Hopkins was still a free agent. I'm assuming that him at least signing with a team will bump him up a couple spots. Um, assuming that's the case, I mean, he's going to be drafted around guys like Deontay Johnson Christian Watson Chris Godwin Keenan Allen and I mean I get the argument for a guy like Hopkins who's been at that elite level before to me Pat I'm just not I think s- yeah. super in love with a guy at this age I, I think I just, like I
1: think I like everyone else you just listed yeah better. It, albeit will close albeit will close sure. but again if it comes down to that round five six where I'm looking at those guys I like Hopkins does not inspire me as much as some of those other picks
0: I've always been this way in fantasy football. Um, I, much like, a, you know, GMs and ownerships perspective on running backs that we just talked about, I'd rather get off the boat a year early than a year late. I don't want to spend a pick on DeAndre Hopkins as my wide receiver too, only to find out that this is the year he's washed up. Yeah. Am I am I jumping off too early? I very well may be. I mean, he was on pace for some good numbers last year in Arizona with you know quarterback play that was all over the place. Uh. But it's just not a pick I'd feel great about. I'd much rather invest in, honestly, a, a second-year leap from a guy like Christian Watson or a bounce-back from a guy like Deontay Johnson than I would in just hoping that Hopkins keeps the floor that we've seen his whole career in an offense that's not going to throw it all that much. Um, it's exactly, just not... exactly.
1: I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. That's why yeah. either New England or Tennessee, I just— they weren't. They I didn't were want him if he options. went to the
0: Patriots either. I wanted him on the Patriots for my own interest. I didn't. Yeah. For fantasy, I wouldn't touch oh, him. I'm course. not touching
1: any Patriots for fantasy
0: football. But, it's just gross situation. But
1: but yeah, I, I just I don't see it being like this kind of situation where and the name value is going to honestly help because I think a lot of people in your leagues aren't that into fantasy football. They see right. DeAndre Hopkins, they're probably going to take him sure. over some guys that he probably should go over. So you know, honestly,
0: I'm gonna let that happen. Absolutely. 100% letting that happen. Uh, Pat, just want to touch on this real quick. So the Madden ratings have been released. Uh, I dropped a video on this today. There's uh, Look, I think Madden ratings at this point are intentionally just trying to get people angry so that they will talk about the game. Uh, I think one of the most egregious ones I saw today was TJ Watt is a 94. Uh, which is like the sixth best defensive end, and Aaron Donald's a 99, even though he like didn't play that much last year, I don't know, I, I just want to, you know, let the people know, Madden ratings are coming out, so keep track of those if if that's something you're interested in, um, in, in general, I just, I don't, very stupid, I, yeah, dude, they're so dumb, like, I, I made a video on it today to make fun of them, but like, you know, Jamar Chase, he's a 94 now, um, whereas Jefferson's a 99, it's like, I know Jefferson's a little, he's not five points better. And then you got Christian Watson, who's a 77, which is literally below Jackson Smith Najigba, who they gave a 78. And I'm like, I understand JSN may be the better NFL receiver eventually, but like Watson was pretty good last year in his limited action. I don't know. Madden ratings are are, just exactly. As someone that hasn't owned a Madden game in close to
1: 10 years, I, you know, I only have what I hear about on the internet and it seems like the game just kind of fucking sucks now. It, it's like really, th- that, bad. That's, it's that's really bad. That's really That's the kind of the essence I've gotten. So it just seems like these ratings are just kind of a, a grab for attention, and it works. Even the players, or, you know, you know, you see guys like Sauce Gardner, Justin Jefferson, tweeting like, "Oh, this is an incredible honor," and these other guys are being pissed. Like yeah. they
0: are getting the publicity that they want through this. I personally could not care less. That that's the thing. It's just it's still an iconic title from the days when it was a good game that these players, you know, grew up playing it. And like Justin Jefferson said, like I used to. He used to make himself in Madden and would make himself a ninety-nine when he was a hmm. kid. And now that's a dream realized. That he actually totally get that, sympathize with that, a thousand percent. But it's just to us now, it's like. The, game's ass man it's just ass like i yeah. i look maybe this year will be different but i feel like that's what we've been saying since like madden 12 which i think was the last good good madden all i remember about madden 12 is i would play our buddy mitch and i would run the slip screen 100 times and i'd fucking torch him um so that that's my my main lasting memory i was a big make the fullback the starting running back guy and just barrel through people what what a surprise that surprises me zero percent marcel
1: reese was my favorite madden player oh. back in the day
0: Marcel Reese man bring him hey he might he might be coming back if these running backs do strike We may see Marcel <laughs> Reese starting for a team pretty soon. All right We are going to finish out our fantasy football preview series with the NFC South. Honestly look there's gonna be fantasy mm. Football content there's gonna be fantasy football content every week uh, leading up until the season I'll figure out what exact format that's gonna take now that we're finishing up our divisional previews But you guys can bank on plenty more of that before we get there, though, we do have to preview the NFC South. Um, we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons, and look, we're going to start with the quarterback. All right, everybody, settle down. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to the guy you're all waiting for. Uh, we we do this every week. We go quarterback, running back, receiver, then tight end. Quarterback, Pat. Desmond Ritter. I, can I just say also, this division is a fucking cesspool for quarterbacks. It, I was, I was thinking, I'm gross, like, I was man. thinking,
1: like, is there's one good quarterback? And I don't know. I don't know. There's, just there's, like, I, don't know why I was thinking, like, oh yeah, Tom Brady. and It's like, oh fuck. Wait,
0: wait a minute. Like, no, like everyone sucks you will be in leagues where there is not a single nfc south quarterback drafted like i i can understand i could see Derek oh, Carr getting drafted as a backup for some oh, people who no, want to I, have a backup quarterback maybe they shouldn't you, you take i agree you shouldn't um, i'll you'll see people take a stab at bryce young here and there but like most leagues if they're smart um none of these quarterbacks will get drafted and i think desmond ritter is kind of the epitome of that qb 29 right now just too many unknowns pat i mean he's a third round guy he's taking over for marcus mariota and all we know about him right now is that this is an extremely run first offense and it's a quarterback that we've seen nothing from so i look he's gonna stay on your waiver wire and and if by some miracle he shows that he could be a fantasy contributor you go get him but that's really where this is the year of
1: like there's a shot. Well, I mean, I guess three is a shocking amount of guys that are just being handed the keys that have not done anything yet. Desmond Ritter, yeah. Sam Howell in Washington, and then Jordan Love obviously in Green Bay. So it's like, I just don't know what to expect from him specifically. Like he he is someone that is not on my radar at all in a
0: single quarterback league. I, I'm not optimistic because I, I just don't think this was the Falcons' plan. I think if you went back a year ago. And, you know, ask them what they were trying to do. If you remember, the Falcons tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. That was their initial plan. And then they basically disgruntled Matt Ryan to the point where he demanded a trade and ended up in Indy. They had to pivot to Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter is like option 17. Like, I, I and maybe he turns out to be good, but this is, I can't even unequivocally say this is a guy the Falcons believe in. So I'm not really banking on him doing anything uh, real life or fantasy wise this year. What I can't say that about is their run game, which is led by Bijan Robinson, currently the RB3 on underdog. Crazy to me. Um, uh, yeah, got i, uh, I got to talk about that. We, we will. We've got Tyler Algier at RB47, which is also kind of crazy. I mean, I understand because of them drafting Bijan, but that we have a thousand-yard receiver on the same team in the same situation other than that they drafted a guy, and now he's RB47. But look, that that's what happens when, you, when a team spends a, a top-ten pick on a back. Um, Bijan Robinson at RB3, Pat look i've talked up Bijan plenty um i i gave all the numbers and all the stats as to why you know you should believe in rookie running backs when they are drafted this high you don't need to see it to believe it like they're probably going to at least be good their rookie year um i'm confident Bijan robinson will be an rb1 that being a, a top 10 back absolutely being an being rb3 overall people are falling in love a little a little too hard here yeah,
1: I mean we're we're just gonna we're just gonna completely dox our league right now, but he is set to go number two overall <laughs> in our league, possibly is the first running back off the board. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I um like you said, there's a lot of things to like. The guy's the best prospects in Saquon Barkley and arguably better. He's a great pass catcher, and Arthur Smith just loves to fucking run the ball. No disrespect to Tyler Algier. He could be very well be a solid, good running back, but Right. does not compare to B. John Robinson. The fact that they could get Tyler Algier as a late-round rookie, 1,000 yards, the sky's the limit for this guy. But my question is, am I willing to take him over guys like Christian McCaffrey, Austin no. Eckler, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor? I, I can't find myself... You know, some of them, I guess I would think about it. I'm glad that in our big league, we're not, I'm not going to have to.
0: Yeah, we won't have that choice. But... um.
1: But I just I find it difficult. I feel like that's really risky to chase that kind of upside in the first round. And, I mean, again, I I think the floor is decent, too, just because of what we've seen in Atlanta and Arthur Smith in the past. But I I am very hesitant to take him over some of those more established guys that you pretty much know what you're going to get.
0: And that's the thing, Pat, is like, chasing the numbers with Bijan like you're not gonna sink your team by drafting Bijan Robinson even call it number three overall Let's say it's three backs off the board and start it out you're not gonna sink your team with that pick because again I, I do believe he's gonna put up really good numbers history has shown that he's likely going to um it's just that you can get guys with a similar floor and a higher ceiling before him and, and you look at you know in ppr leagues especially austin eckler and christian mccaffrey absolutely jonathan taylor saquon barkley if he doesn't hold out then you've got like a guy like nick chubb i would take over him um it, it, he's just a little too high i mean i think if you bump him down to like rb six seven i'd be way more yeah. okay with it and like that's where i'd you know i wouldn't bat an eye if he was at that spot but you look at the Falcons' situation compared to some of these other backs' situations. Again, we don't know if Desmond Ritter is going to be good. And he may not have to be good to, for this offense to move because it's so run-heavy. But we don't know how high-powered this offense is going to be, how many scoring opportunities there are going to be here. Um, and Algier is going to eat in a little bit. like He's he's a 1,000-yard guy. And this is a, a sure. team that likes, uh, likes multiple running backs. Um, it's just not... I don't see the ceiling like for RB three. I, I don't really I don't get it. I think he's an ideal guy if you're picking from spot eight, nine, ten in your league, but yeah, he's not gonna make it there. He's just
1: not. Yeah, uh, exact yeah, because and also, you know, people will always chase the sexy picks, you know, the next yeah the next And he'll big be thing. fun to root
0: for. He'll be so fun to own. But by the end of the year, he's not gonna be mathematically oh. your best choice.
1: Oh yeah, like I hope, you know, maybe in all the leagues I'm in, maybe I'll own him but somewhere. But like if it's just a very serious league with a lot of money on the line, I am a little apprehensive over some of those other guys that we just talked about.
0: Yeah, the blood is just a little too rich with, uh, with B. John Robinson at this point. And Tyler Algier at RB47, um, look, I don't think he's going to have consistent standalone value like a, a guy like Elijah Mitchell that we talked about just because this is a team, again, I just don't know how many scoring opportunities they're going to have, and then you need Algier to vulture those scoring opportunities because that's really going to be his ticket to fantasy relevance again this year. It's I mean, Elite handcuff based. as well. I'd argue elite handcuff. I mean, yeah, you have to pick a, him.
1: You know, he's a guy that... Is probably in the high end RB two conversation yeah. if something happens to Bijan Robinson. So yeah. but again, so you're drafting him as a handcuff.
0: So yeah, you, you have to pick him if you have Bijan. Beyond that, I mean it's not it's not a guy I'm really in love with with putting on my team unless I'm I'm for some reason banking on a Bijan injury. Um, receiver wise, we've got look, I put down Cordero Patterson here. He's R B sixty two. There's been talk of moving him to receiver. I think Cordero uh, I Patterson's think gonna get cut. I, yeah, so here's the thing. There's a good chance he gets cut, and even if he doesn't, I think Cordero Patterson's little run here as a surprisingly fantasy relevant player is coming to an end. He's—I want to—I want to say he's 34, Pat. I don't want to get that wrong. Yeah, um, I mean, he, or sorry, only 32. But I mean, he, for that's, a running that's, back, that's the same thing. If you're for, over 30 years back, old, it's yeah. basically the same thing. Exactly. Uh, so he's get—he's 32, and I just think, you know. I think there's probably a lot of merit to them if they are keeping him around to making him more of a receiver because you just don't need him as your third string running back with Algier and Bijan. You might as well put him at receiver where they are pretty weak. Um, they've got Drake London, they've got Mac Hollins, and then their wide receiver three, Scotty Miller. Beyond Drake London, you don't have a ton of talent there. I mean, Mac Hollins had spike weeks last year with the Raiders. He looked good, but how much of that was a product of just Devontae Adams was being quintuple teamed and somebody's got to catch the ball. So okay. I think Drake London is the only real talent at receiver. Um, but even him, Pat... Just not. I can't bring myself to target other guy players not associated with the run game in this offense. Hmm. I just I'm not that into it. I'll I'll disagree. I, I I'm I'm into him. I dig them there. Okay. Um, because
1: you look at the four in the four starts as Ritter made last year? Um, uh, London had eight or more targets. And again, we're talking about the, the top receiver prospect or one of the top receiver prospects from two years ago. Obviously, they're going to run the ball a fuck ton, but they're going to throw the ball some. Because, like, at least Desmond Ritter, it appears, can throw the ball, which at times we question whether or not Marcus Mariota could legitimately do that last year. I mean, he did it from his back, if you remember, <laughs> and then it got They're, they're going to but... throw the ball some. I will say, obviously, we'll get into your boy in a second, but mm-hmm. just in general, I would rather have Drake London than Kyle Pitts. Like, I think Drake London will be the more prominent fantasy pass catcher in that offense more so than Kyle Pitts.
0: All right, well, I guess we'll move on to the main event here because it just transitions into... Uh, please. I, I think I think the reason that I would also prefer Drake London to Kyle Pitts in terms of pass catching is, uh, look, Drake London's going to be on the field a lot. Last year, Pat, the most baffling part of Kyle Pitts' usage was when he would come off the field. It seemed like it was in situations that were almost perfect for his skill set. And w- look, when I say that, I'm not even trying to get too specific with... Formations and covered. I'm just saying when they were in the red zone and about to score and they didn't have Kyle Pitts on the field, <laughs> it was baffling. Uh, it was very, very confusing. Michael Pruitt Michael had the same Pruitt, number the of, of touchdowns and, and red zone targets as Kyle Pitts did. Um, and, and this all ties into... Look, this again, we'll say it a billion times. It's a run first team. That's what Arthur Smith wants to emphasize. And Kyle Pitts was not blocking all that effectively last year. Shocker, he's basically a receiver. That's not really yeah. what he's meant to do, which just that's which what they should have known me. what they were getting into. That, you that's know, what using, frustrating using me so a top much.
1: 10 pick on a, on a tight end, you better yeah. know what you're
0: getting into. Why why are you drafting this guy so high if you're not going to use him to his absolute strengths? Or if he um, doesn't fit your philosophy? Like, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, it wasn't like this was a a holdover and a a new, you know, ownership coming in or new GM and new coaching coming in and he didn't fit there what they were trying to do. But here's, here's where I'm at with Pitts and here's what happened last year. Okay. The reason I'm completely out on Kyle Pitts this year is because I see so much of, of the same questions. Falcons are run first. That's not going to change. It'll probably be even worse because they have Bijan Robinson. There was last year a thing I ignored, and that partially led to the downfall of my fantasy team and Kyle Pitts' fantasy production. Look, it's not all Kyle Pitts' fault. It's not. Marcus Mariota was terrible. I completely, I, I completely underestimated what the change would be from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. I figured, you know, relatively washed up Matt Ryan was able to get Pitts to a thousand yards, which is almost almost broke a rookie tight end record held by Mike Ditka. I figured. That was the floor, right, Pat? A 1,000 yards could Mm. be the floor, and that's crazy. And he only scored one time. So you expect positive regression in the touchdown category to, I don't know, five, six, seven, more? He's that elite of a player. That was the thinking. Now, you head into this year, and you might be thinking, look, I like Kyle Pitts now. Desmond Ritter, he can't be any worse than Marcus Mariota. Are we sure? Like, I'm... you're probably, like, that's probably true. He probably I think, yeah, yeah, I think the
1: only thing was just that, like, there were games where it was clear that Arthur Smith just didn't even trust Mariota to throw the ball at all. Well, like, I believe they might have had a single-digit pass attempt mm-hmm. game. I could be wrong there, but it was very low. You're probably right. With Ritter, you know, he, he's throwing the ball 20-plus times a game. So at least, like, he is physically capable of doing it. The team has the confidence in him to do it. How well is he going to produce? We don't know. That's the thing. It, it's true. We don't know.
0: That's the thing. For how long is Ritter going to have that leash? Look, maybe Ritter is good. Maybe Ritter is enough of a replacement level quarterback that it doesn't tank this team. But I think ignoring the possibility that he is Mariota or even just, you know, only a little bit better or just the same as what he was and what he provided to the rest of this offense, I think you're just... You're you're disregarding the realm of possibilities that come with this offense. Just because something changed does not mean it's going to be better. That was the mistake I made last year. I thought Mariota coming in would be at least as good as Matt Ryan for fantasy production, not necessarily real life. I know Mariota's never been a prolific quarterback, but that's just, I think you have to take into account every possibility for how this team is going to look. And there is a world where Desmond Ritter is... Not good, <laughs> to put it quite simply. Yeah, and, and
1: unlike, you know, I, I cited, you know, the games with Ritter started for London, we didn't see it. Pitts was hurt. We, we did not see right. him out there with, with, with Desmond Ritter. So we don't even have that small sample size to go off. Of. Exactly. We have nothing to go off of here with Kyle Pitts.
0: Yeah, and, and look, the ceiling, I understand, is there. If you want to take this chance, feel free. Um I'm not. Look, we're coming off a year where Kyle Pitts underperformed so massively. I mean, he was on pace for like 600 yards only before he got hurt. Um, Team still run heavy, questionable quarterback. And then not only has Arthur Smith, Pat, not shown any public desire to use Kyle Pitts any differently than he did this past year. He seems defiant. which was baffling usage to begin with. I mean, he was angry at even the concept of fantasy football when it, when it was brought up to him. Um, he brought in Jonu Smith, who I we brushed this off earlier in the offseason. Look, and you could brush it off now. I still am. Uh, you, feel free. Here's my deal with Jonu Smith. He disappeared with the Patriots and I understand that. Jonu Smith is a better blocker than Kyle Pitts is. He fits their run-heavy approach and the last time Jonu Smith was with Arthur Smith, he He's scored good. eight touchdowns. Yeah, he was really in good. Tennessee. So I mean, look, so I, I know he got that deal would, for New England. Right. So he was the star. I understand he was the starter in Tennessee and that's the big elephant, you know, for this being a different situation. You're going to get eight touchdowns if you start maybe. But I just see a world, Pat, where Johnny Smith... Has maybe more or the same number of touchdowns as Kyle Pitts just because of their weird little red zone packages, and i'm not saying he's going to take the yards he's not going to out target Kyle like nothing like that, but there's going to be enough of a vulturing from a guy like John W Smith who Arthur Smith has a personal relationship in and fits their scheme so well that it's going to frustrate related. you it, right I mean they look exactly alike, so it, it's just it's going to frustrate you to a degree um even if even if Kyle Pitts looks like he could reach you know a little more of his potential i'm just I'm out. I'm out yeah. of and, and,
1: and, and to build off what you said, too, like, you're like, if you want to chase the upside, chase it. And I would say to that, draft somebody else. Draft the fallback. But you should not need to draft the fallback at tight end five. Tight end yeah, five needs exactly. to be someone that you are confident, barring injury, will start for you every game in the year. That that's my big my problem is more so the value. If if we're talking about tight end yeah. eight or nine, I might be a little more in. But at tight end five, I'm completely out. And uh, and uh, shout out FPS Gandhi. He, he dropped in the chat here. Um, Mariota eight for thirteen against Cincinnati for 125 oh. yards. So he so I was running the single digit completions. I was on the right track, but still, third to throw the ball thirteen times in this NFL, in this pass heavy NFL, is hilarious and. You've got to think that they are going to have more confidence in Desmond Ritter to do that, to do more than that, because they didn't bring in much competition. They basically said this offseason, you're our guy. So they've got to, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. But still, Kyle Pitts is just,
0: I'd argue, the scariest player in fantasy football, regardless of position. I, I would agree. And again, my worry, let's so say you mentioned you know, the, the attempts and the completions for Desmond Ritter. Mariota started the year the same way. Like Mariota had the leash and then he proved he didn't deserve it. So they had to throw the ball less. And now not only have they look they've drafted a running back like now they have more yeah. of a more of a reason to abandon the pass if it's not going to work i mean arthur smith is one stubborn motherfucker if, if nothing else look Mariota's pass attempts to start the year week one against the saints he had 33 and then we'll go week by week here 33 to 26 to 20 to 19 Back up a little to 25, and then 14 and 13. And then he had a little more of a spike. I don't know if Mariota was just in fuck it mode at that point. He was like, I'm going to just chuck it regardless. There was a game plan change. Under
1: 15 pass attempts in back-to-back games is abysmal, and it's just a sheer lack of confidence in that. And again, like we said, I'll say I've said it like 20 times, they have to have more confidence in Desirador. There is no fucking way, especially in such a winnable division. I think they're going to win the division in such a winnable division to give to give a guy that you're not that confident in. So they have got to be confident in him, and you think that's going to have to boon Drake London and Kyle Pitts even just
0: a little. We'll see. We'll see. Because who are we turning the keys over to here, Pat? It's a third-round quarterback who nobody would be shocked to see out of the league in two years. That's where we're at sure. with Desmond Ritter. That's like, a, I feel like that's where we're at with a lot of quarterbacks yeah, of that ilk. It, it, it's just a, a huge question mark, and I'm not willing to – Pay up for tight end five with all hopes resting on the question mark quarterback because everything else is the same or working against Kyle Pitts's favor. You've got potential vulturing in the red zone. You've got a more run heavy approach. Um, it just it's not looking great for Pitts. Your your hope is that the quarterback is more accurate and allowed to throw more, and it's just not. That's not enough of a, of a ceiling to chase for me with Kyle Pitts. I'd rather take a guy like Dallas Goddard ranked right around him, or I'd rather just wait and get David Njoku or Pat Fryermuth or someone like that. Um, exactly, exactly. That, that's all it is. I will probably not own Kyle Pitts on any of my fantasy teams this year, much to the chagrin of all my followers who seem to think I'm in love with him. And they're like, you're, you're going to take him come draft day. I'm like, guys— it's not like that. I'm addicted to this upside. I've done the research. I don't fucking like the outlook. I don't want the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I, think, I think what you're saying is fair. I think with, all, everything you're saying is fair. I'm good on on Kyle Pitts, uh, which means he will finish the year as tight end one and score 18 touchdowns. Uh, okay, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Pat, speaking of like great the Buccaneers okay uh, you didn't run that one by me in the pre-production <laughs> meeting I would have nixed that one for strictly corniness my pay um, has been cut <laughs> pay, yeah your pay of zero my pay has been divided by zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're gonna fall into the abyss all right Baker Mayfield quarterback 33 uh, I didn't even put Kyle Trask on here because who cares we don't know who's gonna win this job yet right now it seems like it Baker... seems
1: all indications that it's gonna be Baker Mayfield which is the right decision despite you know what we've seen from him he has at least shown that he has, is something he has been a competent NFL quarterback recently. Yeah, so like, that's the obvious move.
0: I'm hoping to see some of the Rams' magic maybe come to life here for Baker this year. I would love to see if he could, you know, pick up where he left off in the, in a sense after he barely, you know, had gotten off the plane and had to start that game, and then I think beat they the beat, Raiders. The Raiders. Oh, oh, beat the Raiders. Oh yeah, oh right? yeah. not remember, remember which team it was vividly. for a second. I think I was so. wearing
1: this jersey at a at a
0: bar, <laughs> and I was getting clowned to death at yeah. the end of that game. Yeah, so look, as a big Baker believer and supporter over the years, I hope he can put together something. But who knows? He's not on the fantasy radar. We know that much. Uh, Pat, something interesting that I'm kind of noticing here about all these these Buccaneers players we have – none of these guys, based on their underdog ADPs, are projected fantasy starters outside of the flex position. Because you've got Rashad White, even, who's RB25, which means he's not an RB1 or 2 in a 12-team league. And then you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are both beyond wide receiver 30. So we'll start with the running backs, So Rashad White is actually a guy I really, really like. I feel like he's got his risks, obviously, but that's why he's going where he's going, which is as RB25. I feel like the running back dead zone here is a lot less dead this year than in years. Absolutely.
1: I think that's just because like we've seen running uh, excuse me, receivers and quarterbacks have just been you know, their values gone up in the higher rounds and in the middle rounds too. So I, I agree completely.
0: Yeah, a guy like Rashad Way, I mean, again, look, you're gonna have your risks when you're a running back who's going outside of the top three rounds in fantasy. We all understand this, but there's also the upside of look. The only back behind him is Chase Edmonds, who could barely find productivity in an offense like Miami's. Where I mean, he where had they paid
1: them. him, a, they paid him a fair chunk too. Right, and he still it, did nothing. They
0: didn't use. They I didn't mean, want to use. They shipped him off to Denver, where he did nothing there either. Broke his, um,
1: broke his ankle or something. No.
0: Yeah, so I think Rashad White is going to get the lion's share of carries on this team. Um, he's a guy who has shown a desire and willingness to be more involved in the pass game as well. It's just a guy that I think is going to get enough touches, even on a potentially you know pretty bad team, yeah. to warrant some uh, to warrant consideration here as an RB two or flex. Um, you know, assuming you've gone wide receiver heavy mm-hmm. early. I just think he's a better
1: version of our boy James Conner we talked about last week. Similar situation. Probably going to be a bad team. Who knows, you know, how many red zone opportunities they're going to get. But there's no competition. And, again, this is a vote of confidence. You know, they, let, they got rid of playoff Lenny, and they brought no one in. Chase Edmonds is no one. Sorry. Like, he does not count as sense. someone to compete. Like, that is Rashad White's backfield. And I think a lot of it is just going to come down to how good are they. Because if this turns into a competent offense, then Rashad White will be the steal of the draft, I think. But I, that's yep. a huge if. That's a huge if. But at the value. Oh yeah, all day. Especially if you kinda if you kinda punt the position. He he's for that value, those question marks are fine. Everyone at that at that point is gonna have question marks once you get into flex territory. But I'll take yeah. those question marks for having Rashad White at my flex or as a starting running back on a team that's very loaded elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean this quote unquote running back dead zone that you usually find in, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth round of your of your drafts every year, it's got names like David Montgomery, Rashad White, James Conner, who I don't like, but I understand the volume, whatever. Isaiah Pacheco, I mean Alvin Kamara, James Cook, like I feel like it's so much more loaded with guys who are going to have opportunity. And look, the two pieces of being a really good fantasy asset are talent and opportunity, right? Rashad White is the kind of guy who we know he's gonna have pretty good opportunity. And he might have the talent too. Like we know he's talented, but oh, yeah. I think he's be, got
1: the talent. I think he's it, got it. I think it's, it's a just, matter,
0: yeah. It's a matter of how much it's going to translate to the NFL level. Because if he's a truly like uber talented guy with this opportunity, I mean, he's going to be an RB two, and there's no question, or a high end RB two. Um, so that's what you're that's what you're kind of betting on. Like he's going to have that opportunity. Is he going to be good enough to make it worth it beyond that? And I, I think there's a good chance he's as good of a. I don't want to call him a lottery ticket because that's that's not what he is. Uh, he's he's as good of a bet to make that. for your RB two as as anybody is in that range. Um, I definitely like him. You know more than I, I found myself in a mock the other day drafting him over Alexander Madison, for example. I mean, he's just I think a better player. I mean, that offense is going to be worse, but yeah, he's a guy yeah, that I would prefer. Yeah, that's
1: that's a that's a that's an that's an interesting question. That's an interesting it's definitely interesting a tough question. Yeah,
0: I went back and forth. I just I thought that was interesting. That was where I settled when that you know, ever-menacing ESPN countdown clock was hitting, I was like, oh, who do I really... I was like... It's,
1: it's sad that they don't have Matthew Barry to yell, hurry up anymore! I hated that so much,
0: even when <laughs> they did it. I was like, that was the one positive of him leaving ESPN and so, going to side,
1: side note, quick side note, I played a, I played slow-pitch softball with Daniel Dopp from ESPN. Just, oh, really? Just, just the nicest fucking guy. Like, yeah. Oh, like, you... you 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 would you know you sometimes you wonder like oh are these people as, as cool as they seem you know yeah. behind the scenes and my God I met Field Yates once too same way just same, I, they got also met they got Yates great once. guys nice guy. they got great guys at ESPN sorry Matthew I, Barry but you know
0: just they he, got he, I'm sure great, he was good oh well, I'm sure but he's yeah, a great guy he, too he but good. these
1: guys are proven we know but yeah, yeah it's a complete yeah. side note I don't know oh yeah you said I t- I mentioned Matthew Barry jeez um but <laughs> yeah but I guess um. I guess to move on. One of the kind of the hotter guys this year on all these YouTube and TikToks is Chris Godwin, and honestly, I'm on board with it. I think what is he, wide receiver thirty something? Here. Thirty. Wide receiver 30. thirty on the dot and underdog. I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy. Specifically because Baker Mayfield loves the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. You go back to his days in Cleveland when they were playing good ball or good enough ball. He loves the slot receiver. And Chris Godwin, should he stay healthy? Obviously, that's the case with everyone. We could begin it since, you know, a situation where he's getting peppered. And again, obviously you've got Mike Evans. Rashad White wants to be more involved in the, in the passing game. Kate Otten, like, there's, there's yeah. not a ton of competition. So I think we're in a world in a PPR thing where Chris Godwin will be far more than wide receiver 30 based on volume alone.
0: Sorry for the ESPN uh, notification sound there, but uh, I mean appropriate given our conversation. Yeah, I think Pat. I, you know, you look at Chris Godwin and you compare him to Mike Evans. Godwin, there is so much more consistency there. Um, oh, yeah. Evans kind of Evans kind of backdoored his way to that whatever it's straight thousand yard season that he's been rocking for basically his whole career. Two hundred yards and three touchdowns in, in his final week, but other than that, he was not reliable or honestly good last year. Like, he, and that was with decent, Tom Brady. That was with Tom Brady. He had a good first month. I mean, in PPR leagues, he first month of the season, or sorry, he missed week three, his first four games of the season, 18.1, 9.1, 30.3, and 12.1. As you went on, I mean, he had a stretch from week eight or sorry, week nine on where this is five single-digit performances in, PP, in full-point PPR. Five single-digit performances. That's when Can't you're approaching and trying to get to the fantasy playoffs. And that's with Tom Brady, as you said. I think Godwin, his skill set just matches more what Baker Mayfield is going to be doing at this point in his career, which is you know maybe not throwing up those jump balls because... Baker Mayfield's a few picks away from being benched. He's not really yeah. in a in a place to be playing bucket ball. He's in a place to be throwing maybe these shorter to intermediate routes to a guy like Chris Godwin, who was again consistent last year. I'll pull up his numbers just a reference. Um, I, it was I think it's double digits every single game. I mean, he had six point five points in Week One, where I believe he got hurt because then he missed Week Two and Three. Um, from Week Four on double digit points at least 10 points in every week except week 18 against the Falcons where he had 9.5. So this is a guy that at wide receiver 30, I mean that's a that's a flex or a wide receiver 2 if you have a bunch of running backs already and have taken a quarterback like how are you going to argue that? Like that's double digit points. You're not going to be upset from a guy that is probably your probably one of your last starters you're going yeah. to draft and he's going to be giving you at least 10 a week.
1: Honestly, uh, I think he was I think I overlooked him greatly in our in our um sleeper value draft last week. I think Same. we both Agreed. overlooked him greatly. But yeah, the, I think the floor is just so much higher than Mike Evans and he's still got a good ceiling because obviously if you're catching eight passes a game, you're gonna probably gonna do something with it. And uh, just yeah. just from again, garbage time as well, check downs, like I think it's just a good situation for a good player. And it's going to result in him just smashing his ADP.
0: Yeah, I think people are staying away from this offense just because it's Baker and there's so many question marks and it's kind of gross and I get it, but just look, there's always going to be diamonds in the rough and I think with Evans kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say deteriorating, but... With Godwin being the more consistent player at this point in his career, uh, I think there's definitely some value to be had there. Uh, just to finish out the Bucs, we've got Cade Ott, and he's tight end 36. I mean, I have to say there is a little value there as a starting tight end as tight end 36. Um, because, when, look, when you bring in a new quarterback like they are with Baker Mayfield, you don't know who he's exactly going to mesh with. And sometimes... Players just fall in love and have chemistry with a certain player. Maybe that's Kate Otten. It's a dart throw. He's tight in 36. We acknowledge this. But it's it's somebody to keep in mind that that's probably too low because, it, you know, it, he's a starter. And he's going to yeah, be yeah, getting a, a lot of red zone when they get there, again, I would think.
1: Like we mentioned, outside of Godwin and Evans, I don't even – let's see, Buck's depth chart. Let's see who they've even got Excuse me, behind them. Russell Gage is a listed starter in – Trey Palmer, Devin Tompkins. I've heard of David Moore. Is that the Seattle David Moore? But still. Like they, hey, I don't. Bes- Besides that, Rush- Russell Gage is a viable NFL receiver, but there's not a ton of competition outside of that big two. So, K. Otten's in a position where he's definitely higher than tight end 36. Definitely. But still yeah. not, not
0: a guy that you're... You know, a guy that's probably going to go undrafted in most leagues. Still, a name, a name that you can keep an eye on, though. K. Otten was actually kind of the yin to my Kyle Pitts' yang last year. I was starting him on the wrong reeks, but I, I owned them both once I realized that this wasn't yep, consistent The guy. one
1: league I had Kyle Pitts in it, it was him and K. Otten and also fellow NFC South tight end Taysom Hill. So it was just, a—I yeah. came in last place in that league, just in case you were, just in case <laughs> you were wondering.
0: I do, I do really like the talent with K. and It's just a matter of, you know, how. That's we're starting to get into a few too many mouths to feed from Baker Mayfield, but it's a guy to keep an eye on. You know, you never know. Um Especially since Orleans, those two
1: Godwin and Evans are also a bit injury prone. Right. You know, he could he could find himself as the
0: number two option at some point. And but yeah, you could I, easily find him as the number one red zone option quickly if Mike Evans were to exactly. go down. Absolutely. Um, all right, New Orleans Saints bad. You know, you mentioned Taysom Hill, let's talk about him. Derek Carr QB 19 uh the highest rated quarterback highest drafted quarterback out of this division but again still not a guy you're relying on he's a guy that he again bi-week filling that that's what he was his entire time on the Raiders I think he's got some good weapons to play with here in New Orleans but he's not a guy that I'm expecting you know a big jump from or anything like that to where I I want to start him or I'm gonna project big things for him exactly I
1: mean obviously he's a starter in, two, in a two QB league or a super flex league maybe even but I, I think he does have a bit of the upside the fact that he can throw a deep ball you know he can you know he's he's got a bit of a higher ceiling there but he is nothing more than a bi-week fill-in in your standard one quarterback league
0: absolutely uh, despite, I think... despite how much
1: I like the guy sorry
0: Derek. Uh, agreed. I think vastly the most interesting part of this offense is the backfield right now. Um, interesting Alvin Kamara, and it's bad. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, RB30, Jamal Williams, RB43, Kendry Miller, RB45. Uh, we don't know, you know, again, we talked about Kamara last week with, uh, you know, him settling for the, the misdemeanor charge or whatever it was. Uh, we don't know exactly what his fate is going to be as far as the suspension goes. What I know is that no matter how it falls, Pat, I just. You'll be able to find value in any player uh, and situation if you get them at the right time. I'm just not excited to own any of these guys because, like, nope. what, what's the, what's the most likely situation? Let's let's take we let's take the medium situation, which is Kamara gets suspended for two, four games, whatever. Talked about that last week too. Then you've got. Rookie Kendry Miller, you don't know how much he's going to adjust to the NFL quickly and, you know, how much work he's going to get. You've got Jamal Williams, who, no matter what happens with Kendry Miller, Jamal's going to take touchdowns. We know that. That might be all he does. Exactly. And then if Kamara doesn't get suspended, Jamal's going to take touchdowns from Kamara. I, I I just find it hard to get excited about this backfield. Even yeah. with a guy like Alvin Kamara, such a brand name being an RB30, it's crazy, I, but yeah. it's not exciting.
1: I think in like your little scenario, say Kamara does get suspended, you're looking at Jamal Williams as more of the lead back, early down, short distance mm. goal line with Miller spelling him. And then when yeah. Kamara comes back, it's just going to be a fucking mess. Yeah. It, um, and, you know, I get why they brought in those guys knowing what could have happened with Kamara. And also we've mentioned Kamara was not good last year. You know, he had that one three-touchdown game against the Raiders, goddammit, that that completely booned his end-of-year stats. And it was a a bit of a misrepresentation because he was so frustrating. And, again, I think we're forgetting one of the key pieces in this,
0: and it's Taysom Hill. I know, man. I know. He's so hard to predict year-to-year what his usage is going to be because last year he did essentially turn into a running back. But was that by... Design or by necessity. Like now, they bring in Jamal Williams. Maybe he doesn't see more than a handful of snaps at running back. But uh, knowing how know. he's been used, I don't I mean, think
1: so. I'm not confident in that at all. Dennis Allen has inherited his inherited Taysom Hill the same way that um the same way that Sean Payton did. And um I guess talking about Hill now too. in, in a position where tight end is so touchdown dependent, who cares what kind of touchdown it is?
0: Like, yeah, t- Taysom Hill matter. is,
1: one best ball, a great late-round best ball pick. Yeah. And even in re- you know standard redraft leagues, he's a great late flyer because you just never know what's going to happen. You know, If you're in a position where the guy you drafted is kind of shit in the bed and you're piecing it together from week to week, why not throw it into a guy like Taysom Hill? Granted, not sure how much he's going to factor into the passing game. Probably not at all, as it's been. But... I think it, he does, I hate that he has fantasy value, but especially as a tight end, he's got fantasy value, and I think he hurts in already very complicated backfield that for the most part, I am completely out on. You know, Kendry Miller and Dynasty, you want to take any of those three guys and best ball, be my guest, but for your regular redraft league, I just can't see a scenario where that happens.
0: No, I'm not really interested in the running backs here unless something changes. But yeah, Pat, just to touch on Taysom Hill. Um, he, I can't call him a cheat code for the tight end position but he's definitely a glitch with the tight end position because he, this dude popped you know a random 34point game in PPR out of nowhere week five against the Seahawks where he scored three touchdowns uh, you know he had weeks of 10 13 he had to end the season last year he was actually double digits in four out of his final five games the only one he wasn't was that final week against Carolina where he had three and a half uh, why is he still listed as a tight end, Pat? He was targeted yeah. 1, 2, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. He was targeted 13 times all year, and he Look wasn't and I think so but much he,
1: of it is, well, at
0: least for these leagues, it's
1: the fact that technically he is a tight end right. on their roster. And I think that's why it happens. But no, he's, he's not a tight end at all. But it's not to the point... You know, like I said, we're going to. I wonder if we're going to enter a situation where we're going to have a problem where he ends up starting at quarterback some week, and guys are basically starting a starting quarterback in their tight end spot. But. Like, what What do you
0: do like do you just make him a universal flex put him anywhere i think like, i think you you make him a running back like i i don't and yes if you make him a running back he becomes useless and unpredictable but that's what he should be <laughs> i like, think the only reason he's on radars is because he puts up these points at a position that especially last year was so desolate and unpredictable uh you know it, it was worth it at times to risk maybe a zero because you were potentially getting zero from whoever the fuck else you were trying to ex- exactly so if he was I, I not just, a tight end, we wouldn't be talking about him. He, he gets deployed and puts up points like he's fucking Matt Asiata, Pat. And that's why he <laughs> needs to be listed as a running back. Like, I, I don't understand. Guy gets 13 targets all year as a borderline full-time player. I mean, how many? He had, I think, 96 carries. Like, that's yeah. a running back. That's a running back, so I don't know. He needs to be nerfed because for this reason, he's tight end nineteen on underdog pat. Jawan Johnson, who's actually a good tight end, is tight end twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> because he's an actual tight end. And I took you know
1: I took Jawan Johnson in our sleeper draft last week, and obviously like I'm not concerned about Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill, like you said, what thirteen targets or thirteen catches, whatever. That's, thirteen that's targets.
0: Targets. Thirteen not targets. Catches.
1: That that that's nothing. And you know we talked about Jawan Johnson how. Obviously a red zone beast, but he's more than that. And Derek Carr likes his tight ends. You know, he basically gave Darren Waller a career. Um, So I think it's a good situation for Johnson. I think him being 21 is is a little nuts. Like, I think he's more of a a high-end tight end, too. He certainly was last year.
0: Yeah, I think people are a little spooked. I mean, we talked about Foster Moreau last week. I think they're a little spooked by that signing because it's like, okay, this guy's got a history with Carr, and then you've got Taysom Hill. But, like, as we just talked about, Taysom Hill's not a tight end. So, like, Foster Moreau, just
1: like, again, as much as I love the guy, as much of an inspiration he is now, he's just not great. Like, he's a backup. He's He's the definition of a backup tight end. If Johnson gets hurt, he'll be the lead tight end, and he may have some value those weeks. But I'm not concerned about him taking real value away from Johnson.
0: I agree. Uh, as we skipped over the receivers here, we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. So we've got Chris Olave, wide receiver 12, Michael Thomas, wide receiver 47, and then one of our favorite, you know, sleepers, potential breakout guys, Rashid Shahid, wide receiver 72. Show um, those hands, Rashid. I, I think I think all of these guys are actually ranked in a place where I would draft all of them. I mean, am I gonna want to come out of a draft with three Saints wide receivers? No, probably not the same one. But these are guys who, look, Chris Olave as wide receiver twelve is somebody that I firmly believe is going to take that next step this year. He was productive last year. These Ohio State wide receivers have this track record of, you know, taking those steps and becoming good players. Um, and Derek Carr needs a needs a top weapon. And I don't yeah. think I don't necessarily think that's gonna be Michael Thomas. Um, But look, with Michael Thomas, maybe it is. And he's wide receiver 47. So you've got a lot of value to be had there, too. And then Shahid is free. He's free in your draft.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give two scorching hot takes. I don't love the hot takes here, but I'm going to give two scorching takes. I think Chris Olave will finish the year with more fantasy points than Garrett Wilson. I would Mm. draft Chris Olave over Garrett Wilson. Wow. If we are talking. And also, Michael Thomas is a waste of a draft pick. I really? even, okay. even at wide receiver 47, I am not wasting my time on Michael Thomas. But again, similar to Hopkins, obviously to a much lesser extent, guys are going to be like, ooh, Michael Thomas, and they're going to pick him. You know, that might be mm-hmm. why his ADP is where it is right now. But g- going back to Olave, you know, we've seen time and time again that Carr links up with a guy, and it is great. Obviously, yeah. with Devontae Adams, and I, like I said too, Carr can throw the deep ball. And Olave is probably going to be one of the guys that benefits from that. And he is by far the most talented guy in a very crowded field of weapons. But I just, I can easily see him becoming Derek Carr's Devontae Adams. In in an offense where he will probably have the most defined role considering Shahid's a bit more of a gadget speed guy and Michael Thomas is just a bag of bones at this point <laughs> in his career like this guy might not be on the field by week two. I know. So like that's what I'm saying like he has a
0: clear path to being the alpha in that offense. He does have a clear path and I think he'll be the alpha regardless of Michael Thomas. I'm just I'm I'm hesitant to write off Michael Thomas only because of what he did in the two and a half games he played last year. PPR, 22.7, 18.5, and then 9.9 in a game that I don't believe he finished. Like, I know he hasn't had a, a real season since 2019. It's like, how long are we going to chase this dragon for? But I also can't sit up here and tell you guys, you know, in being injury prone isn't isn't a real thing when it relates to running backs and right off a guy like Michael Thomas. He's not a guy that I'm banking on getting back to that point, but at wide receiver 47, it's like, I mean, if he does... Oh, like, I mean, I guess. You know? I mean, I
1: guess. At, at, at that point, you're taking I respect anybody. your take, though. I, un- I but understand. But I, I just cannot see him being a factor with the age, with the injury. And I think the fact that, too, he what he had those games with Jameis Winston, I believe, last year. I think this offense is going to be a bit mm-hmm. more dynamic with Derek Carr at the helm than it was with Jameis or than it was with Andy Dalton later in the year. And I just don't know if yeah. Michael Thomas is really going to factor into that as much yeah. as he, he might have think- in in, with those lesser quarterbacks.
0: To, to clarify, it's not that injury prone is not a thing. I mean, look, compensation injuries are a thing if you've banged up certain parts of your body and then you're more prone to hurt them again later. Um, some guys just may not take care of their bodies as well as they should. I mean, that's how Tom Brady lasted so long forever is because he was very healthy. Yes, he was also at the position that, you know, gets protected. More and than they also the other, made but...
1: rules to protect specifically <laughs> him.
0: But Right. But it's like still you don't get to that point if you're not taking care of your body. And that's of something course. that even Christian McCaffrey, a guy who had that tag of being injury prone, made sure, you know, in the offense Seasons where he was injured to try and figure out ways to make himself more durable. Michael Thomas may just be a guy that is uh, just gonna fade away. I mean, again, twenty nineteen Pat, it's been four years since that's that, that record breaking year. That's so the I thing is that I think that that's a long fucking time. It's just crazy. in general, yeah.
1: especially football, in the fact that it's been so long has been because of injuries is what's kind of kept him out of our mind, and he is completely out of my mind. Like I said, you won't yeah. catch me drafting Michael Thomas anywhere. And like I said, I welcome people to see that name brand. And take him way earlier than he should go.
0: Fall in love with the names, people. Let us get the guys that have yet to break out or who are actual statistical contributors. Uh, final team in this division, Pat, the Carolina Panthers. You got Bryson be 20 I was tabbed over to our show sheet when you did that, so I didn't know it was coming. That was very aggressive. Uh, Okay, Bryce Young at QB25 is a guy, just complete dart throw again. Um, Rookie quarterback, maybe he translates, maybe he doesn't, but I just don't think the rushing upside is going to be there to make a rookie quarterback. It's hard enough as a rookie quarterback to adjust to life in the NFL and then become a statistical contributor. It, not having the rushing floor makes you borderline impossible to trust in fantasy football maybe yeah. we t- maybe we're talking maybe we're having a different conversation in the second half of the season pat and bryce young is starting to put together a couple of good games but to start the year it's probably going to be rough for bryce that's just yeah and how again it is he's a guy seasons. that will probably
1: get drafted just because oh first overall pick yada 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 right. but uh, again not, not to say that he's just i just don't see it this year and in- no that's basically the whole offense. That's part of the thing. It's like I just don't know how good this offense is going to be all around.
0: I do like Miles Sanders, yeah. though, as a very smooth transition. <laughs> I like yeah, him they're... a little bit. The rest of this offense is a bunch of guys. Again, Miles Sanders being slightly overqualified for this analogy, but I, I described it as a bunch of guys you could get off your fantasy football waivers, basically. It's like they bring in, they, they formed a completely new team out of these guys whose names you know, but not necessarily because they were. Oh, late. I will say
1: that, that that's a bit of Adam Thielen slander there. He's a, he's a little bit more than that
0: not last year not at the end of last year i mean he was targeted a bunch last year but he was a guy who i believe was fairly droppable toward the end oh, of the I, season I mean, yeah but um, he's done more than that in his career yeah though, in, in like, his career he has the so other like, guys DJ are just Charks like had years too i mean dj kurt had his well, more so Hayden not hurst had not like a reason. year i think so it's just it's a lot of it's a mishmash of weird yeah, that names that said i don't i don't like any
1: of their pass catchers no. someone's going
0: to emerge i don't know and i'm not going
1: to try and find out Maybe yeah, I'll try I, and find out on the waiver wire week two or three. But in terms of preseason and drafts, I do not care to find out who is going to be the number one target for Bryce Young, because who exactly. knows? As a rookie, you have no idea who. Honestly, if I had to draft any of them, it would probably be Thielen or Hurts, just I agree. because of just because of how established they are and the fact that they're more checkdown guys. You know, they're more yeah. safety safety valve kind of guys. And obviously, again with a tight end position, Hur- Hurst is a guy who um. I believe I called him Hurts the last time I brought his name up. You Hayden did, Hurst. I knew what you meant. Yeah, I yeah, assume yeah, Jam yeah. Hurts didn't. I don't know. Why to I am. Tight end. Hayden. Hayden Hurts, his long lost cousin. Um, right. They look the same. Obviously, too. at the tight end position, any kind of possibility like that is. But again, I'm not drafting him. Thielen, Again, even when you're throwing darts, there are way more inspired darts to throw than Adam Thielen.
0: Yeah, Adam Thielen's a guy who I think is going to help. Bryce Young monumentally in terms of real life football. I mean, he's a guy who's gonna, he's gonna be in the right spots. He's gonna just be a receiver that Bryce Young can trust. Sneaky, Um, athletic, hardest working guy. Yeah, I mean, lunch pail guy, first one in, last one to leave, all that. But he's also older, so like, fantasy-wise, I can't recommend the guy. And yeah, Pat, this team, much like the Giants a couple weeks ago, I actually put down a bunch of receiver names, because it's impossible to know who's gonna emerge. You've got Hmm. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, and then Terrace Marshall, who's, I mean, I guess a vet now, but to a le- oh. much lesser extent than Chark and Thielen are. Um, Terrace Marshall's a guy who we've hoped would break out. I mean, he's kind of the 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 third long lost step brother of, of that LSU weeks last team last year. He did. He did with, I believe it was P.J. Walker, most of them. I think so. Um, And then you've got Jonathan Mingo, who's a second-round rookie from Ole Miss. And then you've got LaVisca Chenault, who everyone still swears is going to be Percy Harvin or whatever he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's going to be Percy Harvin for, like, the last five years of Percy (laughs) Harvin's career. (laughs) Or he just didn't exist and was hurt and on whatever. Um, Yeah, you don't know who Bryce Young is going to feed more, who he's going to be comfortable with. And you you got Hayden Hurst in that equation as well. So I think it's too hard to... Again, you're you're taking a dart throw from a crowded wide receiver room on an offense that we don't know is going to be good. I, I really believe in what the Panthers are doing, what they've put together team-wise, coach-wise, all that top down. But I heard this quote recently and I thought it summed it up perfectly. You have to get good before you can get great. And I think it's going to be a gradual step process for the Panthers where the step that they take this year is not going to be conducive to a lot of fantasy success. Somebody will pop up in that receiver room. It's just so hard to predict that it's not really worth it. There's much more... You know, easier to predict situations or where you give yourself better odds to get a guy who's going to be a volume pass catcher on his team than trying to figure out who the fuck it's going to be on the Panthers.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we we kind of glossed over him, but just to touch on Miles Sanders a bit, because obviously I do think he is the most worthwhile guy by a lot in this offense. You know, we saw last year, obviously, though, different regime, you know. We saw Deontay mm. Foreman play really well last year, and we saw Chuba Hubbard have some solid weeks. And Miles Sanders is a solid player, and they paid him yeah. decent money. He's going to have the volume. But, again, similar to Rashad White, it's like, is the pro- is the situation going to lead to production? Mm. And I just don't know. But, again, I just dropped three. I just knocked over three things off my desk by <laughs> talking with my hands. I'm not even Italian. Um <clears throat> But but yeah, again, it's just a question. But again, at RB20, very fair. He's a low-end RB2, high-end flex kind of guy. And again, if you're drafting in that sort of dead zone, Miles Sanders is a fine guy. But again, I'm just not... I'm not super inspired by
0: his ceiling. No, I'm not either. Um, Miles Sanders is a guy that needed kind of one of the best offenses in the NFL last year to end up being productive. Um, and look the the drop in whatever ADP and ranking he's RB 20. Um, he finished, I think it was RB 15 in full point PPR. And then in standard, it was like RB 10. Um, so the, the drop off, you know, does factor in the team he went to, but, there's just other backs around him I like better. And, I, and Miles Sanders, yeah. he also hates fantasy football, and that makes me not yes, like him he either. He's one of those guys that just has a very but negative But at least he can't be him.
1: getting repeatedly cucked by Boston Scott and Jordan Howard for touchdowns <laughs> I, yeah. here. You know, maybe he'll get a shot here. We know Frank Frank Reich does like to have a balanced attack. So, I mean, but, but again, are they going to be good Shuba enough Hubbard. to be in a scoring position a lot to really make him viable?
0: I don't know. He'll be getting cucked by Raheem Blackshear this year instead. Um, um, what was that guy's name? Fozzie Whitaker's coming back. Fozzie Whitaker. Oh my boy. All right, Pat. This podcast has gone a tad long. So I'm gonna say this. We were gonna do a, a draft of all of our biggest fantasy football busts. I'm gonna just say this. Let's narrow it down to one guy each and just fig because people ask me all the time who I think is gonna be the biggest bust. I mean, I have a whole series on it on TikTok every year. Um, and I always say it's really hard to You're predict big who's bust gonna guy. be. The- I am. I love busting. Um, I always say it's really hard to predict who's going to be the biggest bust because you consider players massive bust because you didn't see it coming. So to try and see it coming almost negates it. But I think I can try and narrow it. um, You know, Find one guy who I really think is just vastly overrated. Uh, I've I've got got one guy in particular who would have been my first pick as well. Hit me with it. And again, I
1: think another thing too about bust is with sleepers and busts, it's all about ADP. You know, guys can always be sleepers based on where they're going, or, you know, guys can be bust based on where they're going. And as much as it hurts me to say this, this guy's going in the late first round, and the fact that people are taking Devontae Adams in that area just blows my mind as much Mm -hmm. as I hate to see it. Again, granted, Derek Carr, you know, we're not talking about Derek Carr like some superstar, but he's such a different quarterback from Jimmy G in terms of the deep threat, the big playmaking, He'll get the pa- he'll get the volume with Jimmy G, but I don't see him getting these huge explosive plays in to be an you know going in the first round like that taking him over some of these established running backs. I cannot do it. I cannot do it.
0: Yeah, I mean you're taking him over some established running backs and these these ESPN PPR rankings I have in front of me have Devonte as the wide receiver five uh ahead of Un- Stefan Diggs. Unbelievable Steve Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, guys who, you know, are definitely don't have the pedigree that Devonte, I guess Diggs does, but don't really have the pedigree Adams does over the course of a career, but the situation, kind of undeniably, a lot of those guys have slightly better situation. I you know I'm not a biggest lamb guy, but other guys behind. I hope him. to God I'm wrong. I'll say that. Yeah. I, uh, of I, I'd
1: love to be getting flay. I'd love to be on a getting flamed compilation about being wrong about this at the end of the year. But the red flags are there. So I guess it's, you know, it's not a bust because I guess I'm seeing it coming. But I think the red the red flags are there for me.
0: I'm going to regret this one. Um, I can just tell because it's a guy who has shown no signs of slowing down. In fact, last year had a probably a career year. Um, in a lot of metrics. But I'm gonna go with Derrick Henry.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's who I thought you were um, going with.
0: Derrick Henry is the one guy among this top tier of running backs that look, I, I don't I don't even think we told the people, Pat, that our draft picks were confirmed. Um in our yes. league, I'm gonna be picking from the seven slot. Pat's gonna be picking from the 12 in our main league this year. Um, 12 team league. Yes, 12 team league. Derrick Henry is the one guy that I'm not even looking at. And and I understand mm. that's maybe an oversight, but the guys he's rated ranked around are so much younger, have similar potential, you know, workload projections. I know Derek Henry's the guy who pushed for 400 carries recently, but he's a guy that, again, it's back on the, I'd rather be one year early off the boat than I am a year late. And he's a guy, yeah. he's getting old. What, what is his age? Cause this was what, is he 30 he's or 21? Like or he's gonna eight? be, he's, oh, sorry, he's 29. 29 yeah. and, yes, 29 years old. So you are at the back end of where running backs are usually, you know, finish up being truly productive. And, Everyone's saying they they don't know what the rules are for a guy that's built like Henry because he he is built differently, quite literally, than any running back we've seen. Yeah, um, granted, in, in he's in only had
1: one severe in he's only had one severe injury, and he ba- sure. bounced back really nicely from it too. Well, yeah, and at age twenty eight, coming off a broken foot, that's remarkable. Like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, it, so I understand all of that. Um, it's just that when I look at the guys that I could get as my RB one, like I would so much rather have Nick Chubb. Tony Pollard, uh, may I mean maybe not Brees Hall as an RB one, but I'd be more excited to own Brees Hall than I would be Derrick Henry. Just in, in I, tar- I'll draw, I'll draw in, in the a line vacuum. on Brees Hall there, but yeah, definitely I, I would draft Pollard him over Henry. I, I wouldn't draft Hall over Henry. Don't get me wrong, but would I prefer to draft maybe a receiver over Henry and then get Hall later on I, versus exactly, getting yes, versus getting Henry and then a receiver in the second? Yes. So he's just a guy, and I say I'm going to regret it because he could a hundred percent have another. 1700 yard you know 18 touchdown year in him absolutely but if i have to sit here and look at a guy who just kind of sticks out to me like a sore thumb that i personally just don't want for those concerns um i don't think the titans are going to be very good he's getting older that that's that's where i'm at i I just i don't want derrick henry in comparison to some of these other guys i think the the mileage has to catch up with him eventually and he has more mileage than any back in the league right now um so we'll mention damian
1: pierce debo samuel
0: fair I'm okay with those. Um, Okay, we will finish out with our viewer questions. Uh, With reports of Belichick's seat being warm, what does he need to do to stay safe? This question actually coming from somebody I actually know. Name's Mike Tactical Mech. Um, What does he have to do to stay safe? I can't... I don't know if I want to say make the playoffs, Pat, because this division is so loaded. And the conference. Um, With at least least solid teams. I mean, the AFC is loaded. I'm going to say... I don't think he gets fired if he gets ten wins. I don't think he gets fired. I think they'll well, be first like. First of all,
1: we, we I don't think he gets building. fired at all.
0: I think sure. he retires. Fair. Retires, quote unquote. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. If that, if it were to come to that, yeah, uh, yes. maybe an amicable split. But I think, I think ten wins would be enough that you can build on. I mean, what did they, what did they do last year? Was it eight wins, eight and nine? Um, yes, they finished eight and nine. They were ten and seven the year prior, so. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they want to exceed ten and seven now that they have an offensive coordinator who knows what the fuck he's doing, and they can kind of go back to the point that they thought they'd be at two years ago. Um, I, I think double digit wins keeps him in the seat if he wants to be in the seat. I'll yeah, I, I, I don't. Re- it's hard
1: for put a number just because I just can't envision it with all the history he's had there and all he's done. The Same thing like Greg Popovich and San, Anto- San Antonio Spurs. Like I just can't imagine them being yeah. like, "Hey, get the hell out of here." But at the end of the day, you can't live in the past. And those Patriots Super Bowls are getting further and further in the past. And they've been pretty mediocre, mediocre to okay in the last few years. And, I mean, I guess you can't live in the past there, but still – just, I think it's more so like I'm kind of just caught off guard by the question is just because I just can't see it happening.
0: Yeah, it would be surprising. I, truthfully, my first reaction when I saw the question was, what are you talking about? He's not in the hot seat. And then actually the same day today I started to see, you know, little rumors of uh, potentially him being on the hot seat this year. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that was coming from a place of somewhat, somewhat legitimate. No, God, not Steve. Um, yeah, I, I think – Ten wins would keep him safe, um, I think honestly, even nine I think they could get over uh, it, it's not like they're going to be kicking him out the door. This is such a long stretch of success, and it as much as people want to say it was you know all Brady because the records now correlate to it being Brady. All I say to you is that he's not going to have the same you know record with the greatest of all time quarterback as he does with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, who's a guy that we don't really know if he's all that good yet. So the, the sample size of non-Brady Patriots is so small still that I'm not willing to blame it on Bill. Um, I think if anything, maybe you know, if they were kind of mediocre this year or bad, they just move on from Mac. But I think the, how the defense performs will tell me a lot this year, because that's kind of what Bill, Belichick always has, his fingers all over, and that's what he drafted to be good this year with Christian Gonzalez. That'll tell us a lot. Uh, but I think 10 wins keeps him safe. Nine probably also keeps him safe. Just got to avoid a losing season and then figure out what the the. I think it also depends how it happens, too. If they're just yeah. some,
1: like, basically deceased offensive team, then yeah. But, you know, if they fight solid and just, frankly aren't as good as some of these other teams then uh, you know probably a little more leeway
0: yeah I would agree and then our final question who do you think leads the Bills and Eagles running back rooms uh, and who's your preference so obviously we've talked about these teams in the past uh, in our fantasy shows segments of the of the past months couple months Um, I don't think we've ever really said for the Bills at least who our preference was between James Cook and Damian Harris I prefer James Cook um i think harris has too low of a ceiling with josh allen like even if they do reduce josh allen's rushing volume like they've apparently said they want to i we'll see if that actually materializes because he seems like a guy who's going to take that into his own hands um big time even even if they do do that it's not going to happen in the red zone josh allen is a big body and he's going to force the ball in and that's kind of what damian harris does so i don't see the the use for damian harris in fantasy he'll be a good guy between the 20s you know for snaps um In real football, but not for fantasy. James Cook is a guy that I could see being dynamic enough to warrant a spot on your team. He could warrant a spot on your flex or, or maybe even ascend to RB2 status if things break right. With the Eagles, definitely more of a question between DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. But again, we've talked about the range of outcomes for Penny. He could be... Uh, cut. a, a high-end RB2 or cut and it's like they really are all within the realm of possibility I prefer DeAndre Swift because again just dynamic player who they're gonna get into good situations because it's the Eagles I think he's going to be a guy that will perform better in your flex at least in PPR leagues more consistently than Penny will
1: yeah and I, again we're the range of outcomes is Penny. we have not seen Penny stay healthy for for an extended period of time but just the fact too that you know not only is Swift going to be the pass catching back, he's going to get some carries as well. Mm-hmm. And you know if Penny gets hurt, we're talking about a three down back. So yeah. I just think basically you're not banking on an injury because you don't want to predict injury. But just with that is a stronger possibility in other situations. I've, I've got to go Swift there, and same thing, same same deal with Cook. Just a more, just the more taking the more dynamic players, especially since Damian Harris is just kind of, meh. like I I've just never yeah. thought too much of him. Good short distance back, but. Cook was a guy they drafted with decent capital that they phased into the offense a lot more last year. So, yeah,
0: two teams with really good running quarterbacks. Uh, Shocker. We're picking the guys that aren't the pure runners that that's kind of where we're at Um, guys that are just going to be getting into more dynamic situations where they can score. Uh, That'll do it for this week, guys. Thank you for tuning in for our, uh, my, my Kyle Pitts rant for, (laughs) uh our take on the running back situation de to the titans we will be back next week again i'll figure out exactly what form of our fantasy football research uh our fantasy football takes it's gonna come to air next week i don't know yet but i know i want to talk more about fantasy football and i plan to do so i know pat is the same way oh, uh, yeah. so expect more of that and uh yeah specifics to come but thank you guys for watching this week for pat gustafson i'm brandon carney and we will see you guys next time
1: bye bye